Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. The top four in the college football playoff rankings has been set. They actually got it right, but they've opened up the door still so slightly for some nonsense. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. Appreciate you deciding to spend your morning commute with yours truly. I'm joined here inside the game studios. By the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. Both have been here tirelessly working to prepare for this show this morning. Hours talking the prep time. Phenomenal amount this morning. Of course, you can listen to us on your radio dial on 1037 Lafayette or 1041 Lake Charles. You can also listen to us on your Alexa or check it out. Free mobile app. Yeah. Yeah, it's free for Android or Apple devices. And if you're here in lovely Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. What do we got lined up for you today? Well, we got shenanigans. We got three great guests. Ron Higgins, award-winning columnist from Tiger Details to talk about what went wrong for LSU and College Station. How do they bounce back against UGA? Also get a little basketball talk in with Ron about the Tigers. That'll be coming up at 7.30 at 8 o'clock. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us. We'll talk Coach Dez being able to get his team to be bowl eligible. And in turn, we'll also talk a little basketball. Both men and women tipped off yesterday inside the Cajun Dome. We'll have that recap for you as well in this first hour. And, of course, our third guest on a Wednesday is going to be Andrew Juge. From the Saints Happy Hour podcast, Saints went to San Francisco and put together one of the worst offensive performances we've ever seen. Yay! Now they get to go to Tampa for Monday Night Football. Yay! He'll be enthusiastic as well. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We're going to talk Raging Cajuns basketball this hour. We're going to talk World Cup. The Americans get the win. The alleged greatest collection of talent in World Cup history struggled to get through the group stage. But there they are, going to be facing off against the Netherlands on Saturday. But we've got to start off with the college football playoff rankings. Top four. Pretty predictable, pretty easy to see. This is how it was going to be. 
thought there were going to be a bit of a discussion about Michigan overtaking Georgia as the number one ranked team in the college football playoff rankings, but they stood pat. Georgia won. Michigan does bump up to two after thrashing Ohio State. TCU bumps up to number three. And USC takes the final spot at number four. Now, what's intriguing is that Ohio State sits at five. Alabama sits at six. Which opens up the door ever so slightly if one or two of those teams stumble this weekend during championship weekend which actually kicks off on Friday because the Pac-12 championship game with USC versus Utah the only team that defeated them this year that will be on Friday night if somebody stumbles USC against Utah or TCU versus Kansas State, then that's going to open up the door for possibly Ohio State or Alabama to get into the mix. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I actually believe that you're going to see all four of those teams that are in the top four make the playoff. TCU has already defeated Kansas State once this year. I understand it's difficult to beat a team twice. And K-State is playing nice football. And the boys from Manhattan, Kansas, always seem to be a tough out. Just kind of that mentality, hard-nosed kind of team. But TCU understands that they have a chance to make history. Remember, early in the playoffs, the very first year of the playoffs, TCU was ranked in the final top four before championship weekend and they didn't lose and they dropped out and were replaced (laughs) so TCU understands that now that year that TCU team had one loss remember it was them with one loss Baylor with one loss that was 2014 they understand this Sonny Dykes understands that they have an opportunity to do something special here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and have TCU get into the playoff for the first time. I expect them. Now, a lot of people will tell you that's the one team to watch out for, but I expect them to be the one to be the most focused and understanding what's in front of them. Now, that's not to say that facing off USC couldn't be upset by Utah. Utah is the number 11th ranked team in the latest college football playoff rankings, 9-3 and three overall. And once again, they handed USC its lone loss this season. So it could still be done. But K-State's number 10. So both TCU and USC, who are currently ranked 3-4 and four in the college football playoff rankings, they have one more hurdle, and they're significant. They're both facing 9-3 and three teams in their conference championship games, and ones that the committee respects immensely, K-State at 10, Utah at 11. These are not going to be walks in the park by any stretch of the imagination. Just remember that both of their opponents, TCU, USC, they're facing off against 9-3 and three teams in conference championship games that are ranked number 10 and number 11. But they got it right. The top four, they got it right. 
Now, we can debate about the the rest of that kind of top six action because it is intriguing. It's intriguing that they actually got it right. I feel that they got it right by putting Ohio State five. Look, when you're coming down to teams that can't even win conference championships as that group of teams that are on just the outside looking in that could slip in, None of these teams, whether it's Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee, none of them or Penn State can win a conference championship. They're not playing for one. They didn't even win their division. So there you go. The fact that Penn State sits at eight, okay, 10 and two, Thought they may have gotten a little bit more love, but they didn't. Tennessee's ranked at number seven. That tells you that the committee is taking in full account the Hendon Hooker injury, the fact that he won't be available for a New Year's Day six bowl game or a college football playoff game. So the likelihood of him getting Tennessee getting in is why they're at seven. I think if Hooker was healthy, they would probably be at the sixth spot, to be perfectly honest with you. I think the committee made a decision based on the fact that the star quarterback and one-time Heisman front runner is unavailable. Is not going to play. So Tennessee is at seven, and then it's Bama at six and Ohio State at five. And out the surface, you go, hey, That makes a lot of sense. There's nothing to see here, right? Nothing to see here. Not a big deal. If the top four win, they're in. Not a problem. But if one of them slip up, then obviously Ohio State's right there to take their spot, insert themselves, and it's done, right? Well, then Boo Corgan, who's part of the College Football Playoff Committee, opened up said mouth and spoke. When asked about this, Boo said, it's not not necessarily the case that Ohio State would stay ahead of Alabama this weekend, even though neither team is playing on Saturday. I'll, I'll, I'll say it for you again. (laughs) not necessarily the case when asked would Ohio State and Alabama stay in the same positions they are right now since neither one are playing games not necessarily the case so Ohio, Ohio State doesn't have a game to play Alabama doesn't have a game to play Ohio State's ranked five Alabama's ranked six Ohio State has one loss Alabama has two yet a person with the committee that makes these decisions is leaving the door open. Now, are they leaving the door open because they really would like to see a way to have the SEC in another SEC team in the playoff? Sure. Are they leaving the door open because they just like to be ambivalent? Sure. They're highly educated, smarties. Sure. Are they leaving the door open 
because they have a love affair with Alabama. Yeah, that could be it too. Once again, when we talked about this earlier in the week, I gave y'all the option. Who should be ranked number five, right? We did this poll question yesterday. Ohio State's the only one with one loss. Alabama, two losses. Tennessee, two losses. Penn State, two losses. Once again, of the four, none of them can play for conference championships. None of them will even be a division winner. What's the difference? Well, Ohio State only has one loss. That's the difference. That's the difference. But that's what I'm talking about. That's why I keep preaching about when it comes to the college football playoff committee. Should Alabama even be remotely in the top five, near the top five, or even in the top ten? No. But the fact that they haven't dropped out with two losses, one of them against a two-loss team and another one against a three-loss team, tells you everything that you need to know. But it will be for nothing. It won't matter of course, as long as everyone wins. And even though Michigan's taking on Purdue and Purdue will give them, you know, a maximum effort, make no bones about it, Georgia should beat LSU, which you expect to bounce back after a pitiful performance against Texas A&M. TCU and USC, three and four, have to play the number 10 and the number 11 ranked team in the in the rankings in conference championship games. TCU will be focused. Even though they've already defeated K-State, once again, remember this. The last time the TCU Horned Frogs were ranked number three in the college football playoff rankings was 2014. At this time, the last time TCU was ranked number three in the college football playoff rankings was the very first year of the college football playoff, 2014. They won their next game 55-3 to and dropped to number six in the final rankings. <laughs> True story. That happened. TCU, you're in the college football playoff heading into championship weekend. You win your last game 55-3. to Or it was the weekend before the last weekend and what it was. And they won their next game 55-3 to and they dropped three spots. TCU understands this. They know what's at stake. They understand that they have to win. There's no room for error here. Even though most people believe that they're most vulnerable, I don't think any of them are. Because TCU understands we get we got robbed of going to the college football playoff. We deserve it. We're going to make there's no room for error. We're going to go undefeated, and you're not going to have a choice. They're going to be determined. USC, the same thing. Finally back to being a prominent program legitimately with head coach Lincoln Riley, and they got the transfer in Caleb Williams, who will probably win the Heisman Trophy. By the way, <clears throat> the one of the other Heisman finalists is going to be the TCU quarterback. There's a lot on the line here. <coughs> Excuse me. 
lot on the line. I got some information sent to me. That's 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 settling. That that is disturbing, and I'm not for sure how to react to it. So much so that it made me physically choke up on the air. It has nothing to do with the college football playoff ranking. What? What is this? Let's. You know what? I'm going to take a timeout here <laughs> because producer extraordinaire Miss Hannah Five Names and the intern extraordinaire. I had an idea for the foodie poll question of the week, but they've decided to come to bring something that I don't even know how to respond to. Don't even know what to, how to respond to. You know what? We'll address it live on the air and unveil the foodie poll question of the week. That'll be next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armitar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. That's right, a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armitar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Ooh, who doesn't want Christmas to come early? Who doesn't want a $500 Visa gift card? Just saying. Sign me up. I can't sign up because I work here. But you can because you don't work here. So take advantage of that. We will soon be unveiling the foodie poll question of the week. It's... So controversial that Steve Wiley walked out of the room. And I think it's totally gross. But we'll share that with you here shortly. First, got to talk about U.S. men's national soccer team. They won. They're moving on. They got out of group stage. After a 1-1 draw with Wales and then a 0-0 draw with England. Thrilling. They have to take on, they had to take on Iran yesterday and had to win. Win in advance. Their backs were against the wall. And they found a way. United States walked in there and scored in the 38th minute. Christian Pulzik scored the go ahead goal, putting them up one to nothing. They held on to that. Now we can talk about their strategy of just essentially sitting in park for the rest of the match. I don't know a lot about soccer, but not being aggressive and trying to put more goals up on the scoreboard doesn't seem like, I don't know, 
an optimal approach to winning a World Cup. Potentia aside, what do I know? The big story, though, after Tim Way sent a cross into the box for Christian to put in the back of the net for the 1-0 advantage, is that Christian actually got injured in this game, had to leave. He is their best player. He could not play in the second half. Even though reports are he says he'll be ready to go for Saturday's match against the Netherlands, a country that actually plays for World Cup championships. Just pointing that out. So the Americans survive. Iran did have multiple chances to level the score, but the Americans hold on and win one nothing to advance. They'll take on the Netherlands on Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central, so you can wake up early, get your soccer World Cup fix on, and then enjoy the rest of the day of college football. Hey, what kind of options do they have? Do they have the ability to defeat Netherlands? You feel like they should, but you didn't think they would go to a draw with Wales. You didn't think they would only beat Iran by one nothing. So which Team USA is going to show up Saturday? That's the big question. But Team USA advances to the knockout stage. So there you go. I was nearly knocked out when this poll question was brought to my attention. And this nonsense has been going on for years. This is not a new young person thing. Okay, I know millennials seem to think their ideas are wholly original and no one else has ever thought of them. But this notion of taking your french fries and dipping them into milkshakes, essentially using a french fry as a frosty spoon, if you will, was pub on 20 years ago, and it still is. A french fry is a french fry. French fry, you want to dip it in something? Hey, there's mm-hmm. ketchup or barbecue sauce or ranch. Okay? Not your milkshake. I don't need greasy crumbs in my chocolate milkshake or my strawberry milkshake. This is ludicrous. Ludicrous. But it is our foodie poll question of the week. It is inspired i was gonna go with something else we'll put that in our back pocket for another day but you've opted to go with this lunacy is how i'm going to describe lunacy it's pure lunacy as the poll question of the day inspired by hannah five names and the moses campos collaboration their mixtape will be dropping soon Do you dip fries in milkshakes? Heck yeah. That's nasty. Never tried it or other. There's only really one true option to this. And yes, because Moses decided to speak up. He's like, well, have you ever tried it? He got got all offended. Like I had stole money from his mama about my 
reaction to dipping your french fries in milkshakes is gross. Yes, I have tried it. It was gross then. It still is. But those are your options. Do you dip fries in milkshakes? Heck yeah. That's nasty. Never tried it. Or other. 63% of you say heck yeah. 63% of you make me want to day drink. Just know that. I make you want to day drink all day. So this why is, does it change now? This is true. There's a way to put box wine in the studio. It probably would have already happened by now. Let's get to some early comments for this lunacy. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, only chocolate shakes and only at McDonald's now. No longer at Wendy's. They changed their French fries, so not good anymore. Had to pull over to answer this one. <laughs> Shout out to John Paul for pulling over. Being safe. That's right. Got to be safe out there, bud. Ralph Bergeron says, yeah, because you know I'm fancy like that. Oh, my God. Well, who's the song from? What? The milkshake song? No, my girl is bae. She's so low maintenance. She don't need no champagne. I don't know. I don't Ralph's know. comment. He says fancy like. So they call it fancy like. Is that the fancy like Applebee song? Yeah. Okay. I can't with y'all today. It's just too much. It's just too much. Now, so the thing is, you go to McDonald's and you get their fries. Now they have a basket of fries, too. It's even more fries. So you get that. And then you go to Wendy's and you get a chocolate frosty. And so I need to make two trips now is what you're saying. I got to make. So in addition, I have to make two trips to two different stores, two different fast food restaurants to get the maximum, most optimal flavor here for this op, for this this poll question? Yeah, you have one on Ambassador. You go to McDonald's right there, then you go over the hump, and then there's Wendy's. Boom, haha. I don't live in, I don't live in Lafayette. Well, it sucks for you, huh? Doesn't it? Oh, 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 it does, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Oh, it's adorable. It's adorable. Has Hattie tried it? You'd have Hattie try it. No. Yes. No. Okay, well, I'll babysit her one day if you ever let that happen. No. And then I'll have her try it with me. If these are the type of decisions you make, you'll never be allowed to babysit my child. Because obviously, Tina says you, otherwise. <laughs> you obviously do not make right decisions. You make poor decisions. Tina will say otherwise. It's fine. So Hattie. Foodie poll question of the day: Do you dip fries in milkshakes? Heck yeah, is an answer. That's nasty. Is the only right answer. Never tried it in other. So go vote on our foodie poll question of the week. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and keep those votes coming right along. We've had a real debate in a long time, so I figured I'd find one. So I looked up. We have debates. a debate every Wednesday. Do you not hear what Moses has to say anytime you open your mouth? We agree the last couple times, actually. Or Steve. It's changed. There's but a that debate. That's hard, every heavy Wednesday. debate, as you think. This would be a hard and heavy debate. There may be screaming involved. No, the, like. There's going to be no screaming. <laughs> a, a part of me on the inside has officially died. You've killed I part of fine. my soul. You're alive. You're fine. Unbelievable. You're welcome. Have a good day. Taking your French fry and dipping it in your milkshake. Don't want no greasy fries up in my milkshake. My milkshake is ice cream. It is separate. It is the dessert. Sweet. Savory. Say that again? I can't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't make the same sound. We got to take a time out. When we return, 
Raging Cajuns, both women and men get wins yesterday inside the Cajun Dome. We'll talk about it next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Don't forget the World Cup is back and you can watch thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette free over the air on KLWB Channel 50.3 and Cox Channel 19. For our Lake Charles listeners, World Cup fans can watch on Telemundo Lake Charles free over the air on Channel 19.2 and Suddenlink Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action on Delta Media. Men's national team wins yesterday 1-0 over Iran. They move on to the knockout stage. They'll take on the Netherlands at 9 a.m. Central on Saturday. College football playoff rankings were released last night. No surprise, Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU now 3, USC 4, but Ohio State and Alabama are lurking at 5 and at 6. Once again, TCU has to take on a 9-win K-State team that's ranked number 10 in those rankings in the Big 12 championship. USC has to take on a nine-win Utah team in the Pac-12 championship on Friday. Utah, the Utes, are ranked number 11. Both of those teams have obstacles in their way. Those will not be easy games by any stretch of the imagination, but I do believe they will get the job done and punch their tickets on to the college football playoff. And we'll have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. That sounds pretty good to me. Fatigue from Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson being in it every year? A little bit. And Ohio State? Yeah. Get some fresh blood in there. It's good. It's good. While that was going on yesterday, men's soccer, World Cup, College football playoff rankings. They also had basketball at the Cajun Dome. Louisiana Raging Cajuns men's team took on Loyola of New Orleans, as they typically do every year. Remember, the Cajuns lost their first game of the year at Drake over the weekend, looking to bounce back, and they did so. They defeated the Wolfpack 104-70. to Ooh, Jordan Brown led the way with 27. He is so good. There's a reason why he's been, you know, selected as the Sunbelt preseason player of the year. And when he plays to his potential, they're going to be a tough team to stop. Because credit Bob Marlin and his staff, they've built a good team around Brown. It's just not Jordan Brown. It's not They're not a one-trick pony in that regard. They have a lot of other guys that contribute. And you saw it last night. Brown did drop 27. But this team... Started off last night's game on a 14-0 run. Lola was able to cut into that lead. 
But the Cajuns just kept their distance, kept their foot on the gas, and never really looked back. Cajuns shot 58% from beyond the arc, led by Joe Charles, former Karen Crow High Star, who went four from five from three-point range. Cajuns get back on track with a convincing victory. And now the Raging Cajuns will take the short drive down I-10 to take on the UNO Privateers. That'll be on Saturday inside lovely UNO Lakefront Arena. Tip is set for 4 o'clock. We'll see if they can keep things moving in the right direction early in the season here. Because Bob Marlin's team has done a nice job of that. And Marlin talked about, you know, the depth of this team. It's just not Jordan Brown, like I said. This team has plenty of depth at multiple positions, and it's starting to show here early in the season. Well, we've got guys that can play, right? And we've, we've got guys that are starters that are coming off the bench, in my opinion, and we've got that kind of fire firepower. So we need to continue to, to work on it and, and score off the bench. It's part of our, our depth, and we've got to take advantage of it. They got guys that can score in multiple ways. They lost some length, right, with Theo leaving and Dugay graduating. But I think this team got better the way the roster is constructed. Even though they lose a shot blocker like they did with Theo and Dugay did a lot of dirty work with rebounds, they got other guys that can do that, but they got better on the perimeter. I think their roster is better than it was last year. And last year, remember, when they finally got healthy, they made a run all the way to the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship game. One went away from going to the NCAA Tournament. Talked about how fast they started off yesterday there inside the Cajun Dome. And and Marlon discussed why it was so important for his team after coming off the loss like they did over the weekend to start off so hot. Yeah, I think it's it's always important. And uh, the defensive part was a part that we really liked. We knew we were going to score the ball, make some shots, and, and we knew they didn't have a, a match for Jordan. Although the big kid, when he came in, he played pretty well for him, I thought, at times. So caused us a little bit of a problem. Uh, but the second half, we did the same thing. We, we came out at halftime and played really well, built the lead up, and then just kind of swapped baskets down the stretch. I like this Cajun team a lot. I like how the roster is constructed. Don't, don't forget, they still get Kobe Julian back down the road. He's not even playing right now. And they've started off this strong. That's just going to give them another dynamic score playmaker whenever he returns from the injury. So, good win to get back on track. They'll go on the road. UNO is a good program, especially under Schlesinger. They've done a nice job there in the last six or seven years with him taking over the program. Uh, They've gone to the NCAA tournament. They have been a, a tough out. This will be a nice test for Coach Marlin and the Raging Cajuns on the road on Saturday. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Chad to the show. He wants to talk college football playoffs. Chad, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, man. I'm sorry to go off subject, man, but I need I need to come back to the playoffs. Man, I had a couple a couple uh things. Alabama and Clemson to me. Alabama, like I- I'm not sure who their best win was. I mean, they almost lost to Texas in the last second. And um 
Uh, I, I want a couple other teams. I mean, but I don't know who their best who their best win was. Clemson loses to an eight and four South Carolina team, and they drop one spot. Uh, I know LSU's loss was bad, but they dropped ten spots. Uh, but Clemson only drops one at home when they lose to South Carolina. I think the best thing for LSU last night was um, that Michigan didn't jump. Um, that Michigan didn't jump up for the number one spot. I think uh, Georgia's best game that they played all year was against Tennessee, and that's when they were pretty ticked off because that's when Tennessee uh, was favored, what not, over Georgia. Uh, to me, that was their best game they played all year. But I, I just I don't get some of their their, their picks. Uh, when you have a uh, a chemist and a mathematician uh, making these uh, picks for the college playoffs, uh, it's a disaster to me. But uh, I just want to know who your uh, who who are the couple of teams that you thought that didn't belong where they were, man. But I'll hang up and listen to you. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call, Chad. I, I'll touch on why they dropped LSU as far as they did. Tigers dropped, I want to say, nine spots, right? From five to 14. Right? That's nine. I was told there'd be no math. They dropped them because LSU lost and lost poorly to a team that's not even going to a bowl game. That's why LSU plummeted. They they lost to a, a team that had four wins. And the final score was not even indicator an indicator of how much that game wasn't even that close. That's why LSU plummeted to 14. Three losses, and they lose to a very bad A&M team. Clemson loses to a South Carolina team that knocked off Tennessee the week before, a top-10 team. Then they knocked off another top-10 team. They're 8-4. and four. South Carolina is. So... That's why Clemson didn't drop as much. Now, do they have a little bit of, you know, hold Clemson in a higher regard than they should? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're asking who I believe doesn't belong where they're at in the college football playoff rankings, why is Alabama six? Their best win is against Texas, who's ranked number 20. That was in the opener. That's their best win. Oh, and they lost the head-to-head to Tennessee. If both teams have the same record and one won the head-to-head, and Tennessee, by the way, came and whooped LSU in Tiger Stadium. Alabama lost to LSU in Tiger Stadium. Tennessee should be your number 16. They're not. They should be, but they're not. Now, they're sitting there and they're going to talk talk to you about the hooker injury playing a role in their decision. But Bama shouldn't be six. And I'd actually have Alabama below Penn State. If it was me and I had to vote, which I do not, I vote in other things, but not that. If I had a vote... I would put Ohio State at five because they only have the one loss. Tennessee would be six. Penn State would be seven. Then I would probably put Alabama at eight because then you're starting to get into two loss, three loss teams everywhere you look. That's how I would do it. 
because then you get to a point where everyone's kind of the same, right? But I would put Tennessee and Penn State both above Alabama. If it didn't say Crimson Tide beside their name, would the committee have ranked them so high? I say no. I say no. So that's the one that kind of stands out to me. I also would have liked a little bit more love for, say, Tulane. You know, they're going to be playing for a conference championship. Now, if they win, they're going to go to the Cotton Bowl, so it doesn't really matter. But I think a little bit more love for Tennessee and Penn State. Drop Alabama a little bit there. Yeah. I like the fact that they put K-State at 10, and I like the fact that they put Utah at 11. So they're starting to, you know, show a little love to teams that are actually playing for conference championships. But LSU got dinged because they lost to one of the worst Texas A&M teams I've seen in my lifetime. And lost in a poor, poor, poor fashion. Appreciate the phone call. Keep them coming if you want to. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. You want to talk college hoops, college football playoff rankings? You want to talk World Cup? You want to talk about the foodie poll question of the week? Do you dip your French fries in your milkshake? We'll talk about it all with you. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. It's our foodie poll question of the week on Wednesday. We ask you, do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? 42% of you say, heck yeah. That's Team Moses, Team Hannah. 42% of you say, that's nasty. Nasty. That's Team Raymond, by the way. 12% of you say, never tried it. Hey. 4% of you say, other. Steve, the salty one, says Dennis Allen's brain food mixture. That is his pregame meal. Look what it's done for him. <laughs> That's a good salty comment. JPK, the OD, says beyond nasty, a sure sign of the apocalypse, yet another bad decision generated by this new generation of kids. I'm 56 and I want to retire in three years, but I'm slowly realizing it may never happen because this generation is going to self-destruct like Spinal Tap drummers popping off. <laughs> oh, B-Rad says, disgusting. What sane adult would do that? That's something only a five-year-old would even think of doing. Comments are plentiful. Keep them coming. Keep those votes coming on our foodie poll question of the week. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. College football playoff rankings were released. The penultimate version of them, as some people like to refer to them as. 
It's the last rankings before championship weekend. We will know officially who's in the playoff and all the bowl games officially on Sunday. Top four, UGA, defending national champs, undefeated. Number two, Michigan. You can make an argument Michigan probably should have been one, but I don't think it matters to the Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh and company. Do you see how they destroyed Ohio State? They're going to be they're going to be a handful. Ugo one, Michigan two, TCU the Horned Frogs, number three USC Southern California number four, and number five the committee actually did the right thing. Ohio State, Alabama six, Tennessee seven, Penn State eight. Clemson 9, and coming in at number 10, K-State, and 11 is Utah. Why is that important to remember? TCU undefeated, playing for the Big 12 championship against a 9-win K-State team, who's ranked number 10. USC ranked number 4, playing for a conference championship game on Friday night in Vegas. They're taking on a Utah team that's ranked number 11 Oh. And by the way, is the team that defeated them their only loss back in October, 43-42, when Utah quarterback Cam Rising ran for a one-yard touchdown and then converted the two-point conversion attempt with 48 seconds left. They went for the win, not the tie. The gamble paid off as they handed the Trojans their only loss. I like both TCU and USC to win their games, but they will not be walks in the park by any stretch of the imagination. TCU has already defeated Kansas State earlier this season by 10 points. But the Wildcats proved to be a tough out, especially in conference championship games, as the 2003 Oklahoma team. But they did the right thing because Ohio State should be ranked number five. They only have the one loss. Once again, once you get out of the top four, number five, Ohio State, one loss, not playing for a conference championship, didn't win their division. Number six is Alabama, two losses, didn't win their division, not playing for a conference championship. Number seven, Tennessee, didn't win their division, not playing for a conference championship, has two losses. Penn State, two losses, didn't win their division, not playing for a conference championship. You have to get all the way down to Clemson, to find a team that has two losses in this scenario that's playing for their conference championship. But they're not, even if they beat North Carolina, they're not going to vault any of those teams above them. So they did the right thing. Because I wanted to see what they would do. But once again, they also left the door open saying, because Ohio State and Alabama aren't playing any games this weekend, One of the members of the committee was asked afterwards, so does that mean that they will stay in the same positions how they're ranked in the pecking order since neither one of them is playing a game? And they said, well, not necessarily. What? What do you mean? Say what again? Alabama shouldn't be ranked above Tennessee. They lost to Tennessee. Look. I don't have a fancy degree. Okay. I mean, I have a degree, but not a fancy one. Not from a fancy school. 
I'm a junior college directional school guy. Okay? Didn't go off to college. Didn't get a big fancy student loan. But now the government says I don't have to pay or have, you know, can wait on my payments. I didn't do that. So maybe I don't have the best source of book learning here. But the big, bald, and beautiful one does know that Tennessee beat Alabama head-to-head. Does know that Tennessee and Alabama both have two losses. Correct? Neither one of them is playing for a conference championship. Why isn't Tennessee ranked above Alabama? It's above what I can figure out. But don't forget, this committee, and even though it changes members every few years to kind of keep a fresh perspective on things, don't forget, they hosed TCU back in the day. TCU has been ranked in the college football playoff rankings. First year, 2014, they were number three and then beat a team by 50 points the next week and dropped all the way to number six. This committee's known for doing things They're known for shenanigans. And the fact that you open up the door by saying to a reporter after you reveal the rankings, because it has to be a television production, that, well, not necessarily that Alabama would remain behind Ohio State, even though neither one of them is playing a game this weekend. This is what leads everyone to believe that there's an SEC bias. This is why everyone believes that there's an Alabama bias and an SEC bias. Because you say dumb stuff like that. In what world, why would Alabama vault above Ohio State? Once again, I don't have the best book learning. But a team that's only got one loss should probably be ranked above a team with two losses. Because... That means the team with two losses, I'm going to look to my young people here that are highly educated. Two losses compared to one loss means you lost more games, right? Okay. That means you were a loser more than the other team. There we go. Maybe this is a new common core math approach by the committee. I don't know. I try to help my daughter with her math from time to time, and I go, what? I look to my wife. I go, you you understand this? I have to look up stuff on my phone. I'm like, why are they teaching math this way? What was wrong with math? Math was fine. The team with two losses shouldn't be ranked above the team with one loss. And additionally, if you have two teams that both have two losses, and they played each other, and the team that handed the other team the loss probably should be ranked above that team too, right? Hey, hey, call me silly. Oh, man. They just make it difficult on purpose. They overthink it. Anyone that watched these teams play this year, come on now. Some of these just don't pass the eye test. But I've been telling y'all, they love Alabama. Hopefully, TCU will beat K-State. 
hopefully, USC will be Utah. Like, we're going to find out pretty early on Saturday. We just are. Because Pac-12 championship game's Friday night. Boom, done. We'll know if USC is going to open the door or not if they stumble. And it's all going to be TCU, K-State on Saturday. That'll take some of the televised, scripted drama out of it on Sunday, thankfully. That's what I'm really hoping for, just as a college football fan, is that TCU will beat K-State, USC will beat Utah, Michigan will take care of Purdue, and Georgia will beat LSU, and then it'll just be par for the course because that would make me happy. That would make me very happy for the four-letter network not to have its fabricated television production <laughs> on Sunday. Take all the take all the wind out of their sails and be like, can you just tell us? Can you can you just tell us who's one, two, three, and four? So we know the semifinal matchups and tell us what bowl game Alabama's going to go to where half their starters aren't going to play because they're preparing for the draft and what bowl game Ohio State's going to have to be forced to play in with half their starters not being in it because they're preparing for the NFL draft. And that's all we need to know. And can you go ahead and get tickets for the Citrus Bowl for LSU taking on Purdue? Because that's where every projection has is LSU versus Purdue. Loser of the Big Ten championship game, loser of the SEC championship game, facing off in sunny Orlando, Florida at Camping World Stadium. Which, by the way, is exactly where LSU is going to kick off their season next year against Florida State in the same stadium. That's a discussion for another day. Talking a lot about college football playoff rankings. Also talking a lot about this poll question of the day. The brainchild, the love child, if you will, of Hannah Five Names, the producer extraordinaire, and the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. They brought to the table, do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? 41% of you say, heck yeah. You're with Team Hannah, Team Moses. 35% of you say, that's nasty. Baby, that's nasty. 21% say, you never tried it. 3% of you say, other. Let's get to some more comments because they have been slightly salty this morning. Like a good French fry. (laughs) Like that. Ralph said, sorry, I almost forgot the obligatory line dance gift that Walker Hayes requires in all mentions. (laughs) JPK, the OD, shared a gif of uh, uh, James Corbett. Yeah, I think I speak for all of us when I say. Hart says, I know I'm the last to speak on food combinations after scrambling your brain with the crawfish boiled turkey, Ray, but I agree with you. This is just weird. And, of course, shares the gift from New Girl. Great show. Hated the final season, by the way. Excellent show. And then they did the fast, the flash-forward thing. Ugh. I hate that more than dipping your French fries in milkshakes, by the way. How I Met Your Mother did the same nonsense, too. Doug on Twitter says, My fries dip in my milkshake when they hit the bottom of my stomach. Outstanding. That is the, that is the correct answer. LC says, what's the other? 
crying laughing emoji is yeah th- that's a good question let's open that up what's the other here producer extraordinaire miss hannah five names heck yeah means you love it that's nasty means you hate it and then never tried it so it should only be three options here but you decided to give a fourth other and people have actually voted for other what's your explanation for other because they can't stand it we don't put other so I put it as like an obligation to put other so I wouldn't get like trampled already. I'm already getting trampled right now, but you're getting trampled right now? Yeah. How do you feel you're getting trampled right now? You're, you're winning the poll vote. No, I'm I'm just yelling at the ridiculousness of this poll question of the you're day. Ridiculous. And for 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 once, you actually have the intern extraordinaire on the same page with you. This is a uh an uneasy alliance between the two of you because Nine times out of ten, you typically don't see eye-to-eye on things, whether that's fandom or food. Yet, today, this unholy alliance between Moses Campos and Hannah Five Names has given birth to this abomination of an idea about food. Yep. Yeah, others, because people don't like when I don't put other, so I put other, just for them. Jude Miller says, that's beyond nasty on Facebook. Well, Jude... I'm sorry. Moses, no one can hear you if there's not a microphone in front of you. He said We only hear an echo, Moses. Radio 101. Let's go over this, bud. When there's not a microphone in front of you, we can't hear you, he and said, it's only an echo, and no one wants to hear the echo. He said, well, they're beyond nasty. Wow. Fighting words. Intern says, take that. Take that that keep those votes coming on our foodie poll question of the day we'd love to hear from you eventually we'll get moses a microphone so we can actually hear from him right now 42 percent of you say heck yeah you dip your french fries in the milkshakes 33 percent say that's nasty 22 percent say never tried it and three percent of you have picked other because i'm don't understand i understand why hannah gave you the option for other because you do ridicule her for not giving you the option of other when the poll question is there? I mean, technically, I guess you can say other could be like, if I had to eat it, I would eat it. It's my favorite. Maybe that's the kind of thing. Like, people are like, oh, I like this. But I don't like, don't or maybe hate it, but it's I like just it a passive-aggressive way of taking part in the poll question. Maybe You're not it. having to give a take. You just say other. Don't pick sides. You get other. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's just very passive aggressive. So hey. there we go. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kiddos. We got to take a time out when we return here. We'll talk some New Orleans Saints. Speaking of yuck, that's coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Yeah, I think uh, credit to them. Um, you know, they, they had a few wrinkles, I think, early that they had not shown this season. Uh, I think we were able to go to the sideline and get that corrected. And then I think as the game went on, um, you know, it was speaking on the offensive line. It was a player here, a player there, maybe with uh, bad footwork. Um, I think at times it was um, not having, you know, the the right pre-snap mindset of what we're trying to get done schematically and uh, seeing the bigger picture. So I think that um, it was it was a couple of different things. I don't think it was one consistent theme throughout the day. Um, but like I said, you know, they had a they had a good scheme. They had a couple things new for us. And uh, then in the moments where, you know, they they did exactly what we thought we were going to do, uh, we made some mistakes. Um, you know, whether that was footwork or uh, you know maybe a, a schematic type of thing. Um, so it was various various different things, um, but it was frustrating and. You know, with, with the lack of success on the ground, I think that made it hard for us, particularly against um, the defensive line that, you know, is really, really good at rushing the passer, put us in tough situations that, uh, you know, we, we did not want to be in. Starting tackle for the New Orleans Saints, James Hurst there explaining why they were unable to run the ball at all versus the San Francisco 49ers as they suffered their first shutout since 20... No, no, I'm being told. No, no. Even further back. 2002. Woof. This team is awful. Just accept how bad it is. Enjoy it. Like, that's what I would tell Saints fan. Yes, you had preseason expectations. You had lofty expectations. You said, hey, you know what? This team's going to be pretty I thought this team was going to be pretty good. But they're not. They're dreadful. They're bad. They're undisciplined. They can't run the football effectively. They can't stop the run effectively. They have a great LSU, Louisiana legend that they signed that has done bupkis. And Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry hasn't done much more because he's been injured. Michael Thomas, injured again. Alvin Kamara, got a legal case hanging over his head and looks not good this year, his worst year as a pro. They're coached by Dennis Allen. They are closer to being the Carolina Panthers than they are being the San Francisco 49ers. And that's the harsh reality that the Saints, after years of being contenders, after years of being a playoff team, years of at least being around 500, no, no. No, no. This is now one of the top five worst teams in the National Football League. That's the reality. Not to say that they can't play spoiler. Not to say that they can't beat Tampa Bay on Monday night football coming up this coming Monday and (laughs) make Tampa be two games under 500 but yet still lead the division. Because the NFC South is trash. Trash. The Saints, though, man. Whether it's not establishing the run game, but the other thing that popped up in this game against the 49ers, and look, once again, I'm not taking anything away from San Fran because they did have a good game plan. They are a well-coached team. They have dogs on offense and defense, and they look like, when it's all said and done, I feel like they may be the best team in the NFC this year. 
But you know what else has hurt the Saints over and over again? Stupid penalties, dumb penalties, and they did it again with false starts on the road at San Fran, and Hurst talked about all those false starts. You know, it really, at the end of the day, it's it's probably um, in the moment and in, in the tough moments, you know, maybe a lack of focus, um, you know, understanding whether that's a silent cadence or that's a verbal cadence, understanding, um, you know, when that cadence is going to come, how it's going to sound, and, and knowing, you know, particularly what you're listening for or what you're looking for. It, it's just got to be... It's got to be a higher level of focus. It's something that, uh, like you said, has happened all season, and it's not acceptable. It's something that um, has to get corrected because it's it's an unforced error. You know, it's nothing the defense does that's uh, making us make that mistake. That's that's totally on us. So we've just got to take accountability for that. And it's it's frustrating. It's been a, a common issue all season, and it, it just can't happen. It's it's pretty simple. We've just got to get that fixed. Got to get that fixed. Will they get it fixed? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, there there has been a bright spot on the defensive side of the football. Caden Ellis, his development, along with Pete Werner, they have some good linebackers that are developing. But, you know, what's left for this team? I mean, technically, mathematically, they're not out of it. And Caden Ellis, an emerging linebacker for the Saints, was asked, what's the current mindset of this team? Let's go. Like, that's the mindset. Let's go. I mean, yeah, we're a game behind, but at the end of the day, we get to see all three of our division opponents, and we get two other games, so we have five opportunities to go out there and um, and right our wrongs. You know, it's uh, it's crazy that we still have the opportunity, but we do. So um, that, I think that's the mindset. Let's go. Let's go get it done. Let's go win. Let's go be the team that we've always said we we're going to be, and I know it hasn't been pretty so far. But the opportunity is still there, so let's do it. I love the positivity. I love that mindset from the young player. He's only a third-year player, and he's emerging as a guy that can be a viable starting linebacker for this team. I love it. But that ain't the reality for this team. Like, I love he has that mindset. That's good. That's good. Got to go. Let's go. Let's do it. Got to go. I love that. That's the right mindset to have. He has that mindset because he's young and doesn't know any better. The veterans on the team, like Tyron Matthew and others, are like, oh, where are we going for vacation? <laughs> we'll talk more Saints when Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast joins us later on in today's show. But coming up next, our first guest of the day, Ron Higgins, the mad dog, the award-winning columnist for Tiger Details. Going to talk all things LSU. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. This is Brett Musburger's action update. Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center tonight against the Toronto Raptors. The Pelicans are the point-and-a-half favorite, 224-and-a-half the total. The Raptors are 3-7 and seven on the road this season. New Orleans 12-8, tied with Memphis for first place in the Southwest Division. LSU Tigers, a 17-and-a-half point dog in the SEC championship game against the Georgia Bulldogs. Saturday, total 51 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Texas A&M upset LSU Saturday, 38-23 as a 10-point underdog, while Georgia won but did not cover as a 36-point favorite beating Georgia Tech in their regular season for now. 50% off site-wide at OmahaSteaks.com and save an additional $30 when you enter the promo code VSEN. 
VSIN at checkout at omahasteaks.com. For the latest sports betting news and information, 24-7, 365, go to VSIN.com. Mike Sennett on the game. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter code SPORTS at checkout. That's harrys.com, code SPORTS. Enjoy! Every weekend, my honeydew list grows, and now with everything starting to get more technical, it's getting harder for me to figure these things out and taking me longer, and I just want to enjoy my weekend and relax instead of installing new lighting fixtures and dimmer switches or putting mood lighting under the kitchen cabinets. So I'm calling Ace Electric. These projects will get done, Sarah will be happy, and the house will look great. Ace Electric is here to help with all your electrical needs. Whether it's installing light fixtures, adding new outlets, or rewiring your home. Ace has been locally owned and operated for three generations and prides itself on its honest and upfront pricing. All of Ace's team members are background checked and drug tested, so you have peace of mind when they come to your home. Wow. All I had to do was go to Ace's website, ace-electric.biz, to get the phone number. It's 337-565-2519. They came, and the projects are done in record time. Ace Electric, how can we make you smile? Ace Electric, your personal electrician, let's give you a hand. I'm Chris Rader with Rader Solutions. Each week in Acadiana, 10 to 20 businesses are hacked, and they lose their data. This loss is a costly strain on your business. Protect your business. Call Raider. We are a complete IT managed service provider with hands-on support and solutions. Have questions? Call us. We're here 24-7 with answers to your business security concerns. Sleep well knowing your business data is safe and secure. Visit us at RaiderSolutions.com. You know a smart speaker is only as smart as the person using it. You big dummy. It's time for you to be smarter and ask your Alexa to enable the game skill. My boy's wicked smart. You can enable it by saying the game Southwest Louisiana. So be smart and have your Alexa play the best live and local sports talk around. All right, let's get it. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. He's a esteemed award-winning columnist and reporter who's covered multiple beats, college, pros, and everything in between. He's also a budding acting superstar that can be found in television, in film. It's our next guest, Ron Higgins. 
Ron Hollywood Higgins, how are you today, my friend? I'm just grand, Raymond, my man. Just wonderful. It's a it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It really is. Just a nice, even week. Just uh, finished doing a movie on Monday with Zach Efron, and uh, it's a good week. It's a good good week. And I mean, a lot of stuff going on. Is that the movie with Zach? Is that the Von Erich wrestling movie yeah. that he's doing? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Goodness, look at you. I'm, I'm, I'm. He he looks a lot like Von Erich. I've seen some. I've seen some photos. I'm old school wrestling yeah, guy. Yeah, he's really buffed up. Uh, he did. He put some work in in the weight room. Uh, he looks what, like a wrestler. What about uh, you? What what what's your role in this this wrestling movie that Zac Efron is in? What's that? What's that about? What what's what's your role in this? My role is I was a picture pick the extra, which means I match somebody that they that they wanted to look like. And, and the guy's name was Mikey Grant. Mikey Grant was. Uh, the TV producer that did all the wrestling stuff in Texas, uh, the, the, the Von Erichs did. So I was, I was Mikey Grant. So I, I had a scene. Well, last week I had a scene at a funeral, uh, standing close next to the Von Erich's parents. This week uh, I had an office scene with his his dad, who was on the, who was on the phone, talking to another wrestling promoter about it, about his son, one of his sons, and. Do you I speak in this? Do, do you have a speaking role? Do you actually are you going to get your SAG card? No, I, I don't get a SAG card. This, but I'm, I'm, this scene is this scene is there. I have like four people in the room, and I'm one of them. So uh, I'm, so I'm so excited. I'm so excited about you being in this wrestling movie. <laughs> okay, hey, this is how they repurpose people. Okay, so I finished working on this scene, and they said, "Hey, uh, uh, need you to stick around. Need you to be." Uh, we're gonna film one last scene tonight. Uh, it's where the Von Erichs, the, the, the three Von Erich wrestling, uh, uh, through the wrestlers come. They come through the back door of this auditorium to go to this match, and they're surrounded by fans and a mob by fans. And they said, uh, they said, uh, we need you to uh, uh, be a, a vendor there at the arena. I said, okay, I'll be a vendor. You know, like you know, an usher, an usher. I said, okay, I can do that. And uh, they, and then I got there. They said, no, we're, we're going to put you, you, you're going to be in the ticket office selling tickets. So uh, I had this, I had this cap that said usher of this red vest and a white shirt. And, and, uh, you know, I, I took my glasses off. I didn't want to be looking like the same person I was in the office. So that I'm like my, my evil twin, you know, I don't think, I don't think he even saw me in this scene, but it was, uh, hey, <laughs> It, it was it was pretty it was pretty fun. So, look yeah. at you, look at you. You're wearing your sunglasses like you're ready, to, like you're in your trailer, ready to go on set. Hollywood Higgins, look at you, bud. Okay, not supposed to be in a sports writer. Okay, all right, me sports. There, there we go. go. There we go. All right, all right, <laughs> uh, all right I have to ask you a pertinent question before we dive into the abomination that was that game I watched in person on uh, Saturday. So before we get dive into that, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was my first trip to Kyle Field. It was very pl- first, pleasurable. First of all, it's hell in the park there, correct? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It, it was a bit of an issue. Yes, it, yeah. it wasn't. Now they're doing some renovations around there. They've they've created a park area. Uh, you know, I, I, you can tell they're investing money into their facility, and the press box swing was a, a little much. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, that's yeah. This is supposed to be an engineering school. Why is the press box weighing? I just, I have questions. Exactly. But so in our household, Ron, I have to get some perspective here. 
So for the first time ever, we're doing two trees. Okay. Now my wife, my wife, she wants the Christmas tree to look like it's in the Macy's catalog, my friend. Okay. Immaculate. Everything is perfectly placed. Uh, we're, we, we're going with a rustic theme this year. It's, it looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It looks beautiful. It's a beautiful looking tree. It looks like it's a department store tree, the type of tree that you can't touch, right? Right. But after years of kind of battling it out with my wife, because I like putting childhood ornaments on there or Disney ornaments on the tree, and of course our daughter loves that as well. Now she thinks mommy's tree is beautiful too, so we finally got a second tree, a smaller tree. We put up the big tree last night, the main tree, that's that's mama's tree, and then there will be the Hattie tree that we're going to put up tonight that's going to have all the Disney ornaments and all that kind of stuff. What do you think about going with the two-tree approach in the household? Well, first of all, you have Christmas tree depth, which is tremendous. I mean, there it is. There it is. You have a two-deep Christmas tree depth chart. Uh, <laughs> Which is rare. I mean, it's you rarely see that. In case one Christmas tree, like, uh, you know, falls down, the bulbs break, whatever, you have a, a, a somebody can step right up because they've been prepared all during the holiday season to step up as a number one Christmas tree, which which, which I think is excellent. Uh, uh, as much as uh, I respect your wife's choice of having the the massive tree with all the perfect bulbs, I think. Uh, I think most of the time I, I always go with the second type tree because I think Christmas trees are very personal. They're about families and memories and, uh, you know, having like your kid's first Christmas tree bulb on there with their name on it. And, uh, you know, and you have you have certain bulbs that you collect through all the years and they remind you of, of, of you know, each of those Christmases are memories. Uh, so I'm always... I'll always lean toward the second one, even though I, you know, respect your wife's decision to look like a Christmas catalog. I mean, a lot of people like that, and that's okay. But I, li I like the idea of going with two trees. See, everyone um, wins, Ron. See, everyone wins. The wife gets what she wants, bud, right? She gets what she wants. She gets the tree that she wants exactly how she wants it. And the kiddo gets the fun tree as well. So the wife is happy. The daughter's happy. And you know who's happy at the end of the day? This Brandon's guy. happy because he didn't have to, like, referee. <laughs> So this guy gets half. This guy's happy as well. That's who's all. Happy? Hey, who's happy? This guy. This guy hey, is. This guy. All right. So let let's uh, let, let's get to it. I, I I noticed walking in on Saturday that the energy level is one of those weird things, and you've been covering sports enough too, where yeah. sometimes you can notice things. And when I walked into the was walking through the tailgating area. And walking into Kyle Field, I was like, these fans are amped up. They're ready to go. Like, and I thought, okay, they're going to get a boost from the home crowd. I, you know, you know you'd watch the crowd being a non-factor for AM for the better part of this season, but it felt like they were amped up to take on LSU. And I said, okay, that's going to be a determining factor. But really, the the thing in this game was AM wanted it more. They won at the point of attack. Their offensive line dominated LSU's front seven, made them look childish and silly, and that was the difference in this ball game to me. A&M dominated them up front. They simply won this game more. This was their bowl game. You know, they've had a, they had a whole year of lost six in a row. They had people hurt during the year, key people, and especially some of their playmakers. And um, 
you know, they, they got one back who made a difference. Uh, as soon as he ran the ball a couple of times in this game, uh, Arcane, I might pronounce his name, uh, I knew LSU was in trouble. They looked slow to the ball. He looked like he was on another speed. Uh, and then, and then, then, and then uh, LSU dropped two balls. Same receiver dropped two balls. It killed him. Uh, it was it wasn't an, an attention to detail game, and that uh, they got their tail beat pretty well. Uh, LSU is not good enough yet to play a team that's really really fired up, even if they had, they had a bad season to and to overcome that. Uh, they're they're not there yet. They will be, but they're not there yet. Uh, and it was uh, the, the way they played was, was a huge disappointment. First time this year LSU has. Well, the Tennessee game, but then you, you consider Tennessee the, the opponent. Tennessee is really, really good. They were really, really good. Uh, this team wasn't that good. It just played inspired football because it was just, this was their bowl game, and you got to hand it to them. They just they just beat LSU's butt, and there's no other excuse about it. They just came out and physically whipped LSU at the line of scrimmage, and, uh, and that and that was really the difference in the game. And also, you felt like they had taken control of the game. I was in the press box sitting next to uh, uh, the the illustrious Scooter Hobbs, and when Daniels Fumble. fumbles the ball, we kind of looked at each other and went, "Uh oh!" Like, yeah, you could just you could just feel it. Like they had got the momentum kind of back on their side. They had scored. They had forced a second punt there to start the second half, and then he tries to do a little too much there. And the thing that 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 always stands out to me about Daniels is. They coach him up, and he plays at a high level, and he's, he's played very good this year. But there are moments where things start going awry, and he tries to do too much. He, he goes back to being the Arizona State quarterback instead of being the LSU quarterback that Brian Kelly's tried to work with this year, and you saw it again on Saturday. Well, in that play, he tried to make a play that wasn't there, but also nobody blocked the guy coming in. That's true. I mean, he looked up, and the guy was in his face. Uh and that was from the left side of the line. And I don't know if Campbell blew the assignment or who blew the assignment. And then he, the guy came in untouched. Uh, and plus that's something that, you know, that obviously Daniel should also read looking over that side and seeing this guy was, had lined up basically unblocked and this Mike guy might come in. Uh, but I guess it never really entered his mind that was going to happen. But yeah, that, that, that flipped the whole game. LSU got momentum back finally. Had a couple of stops, got a, you know, touchdown. It kind of got going again. Uh, you thought, okay, here they go. All right, they're 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 okay. And then you know, they they simply could not stop a run. I mean, they couldn't stop it. It just you know, the guy got two or something yards. You know, he carried thirty eight times, whatever it was. It just and then was smart enough to be like, we'll keep handing the ball off. You know, we don't really need to throw the ball. We just keep handing the ball off. We'll throw every once in a while if we have to, but we'll just keep handing the ball off. Uh, and their quarterback did a nice job of throwing the ball. I think he was uh, wasn't spectacular, but he was efficient. You know, they, I think in the first half they were what six of nine third down conversions. They converted some massive third downs when they were like third and eighteen to third and twenty. They made their uh, first five third down conversions. Yeah, and, and, I mean they, they they came out smoking on third down, uh, and kind of set the tone. And it was a, a a bad night, and now they got Georgia in the SEC championship game and. Uh, I haven't looked at the latest line. I think last time I saw it was 16. I don't know what it is now. Uh, that sounds about right. It really does. Uh, but for this Jordan. team, but for this team, Ron, 
they have to flush it because they have to get prepared for Georgia because even with the disappointing loss, they're still 9-3, and three, right? And they're still won the division, and they're still playing for a conference championship game. Now a New Year's Six bowl game is out of the question more than likely. That's kind of evaporated. They're more than likely going to head to the Citrus if they lose to Georgia. So what's the message Kelly's giving to the team this week? Uh, just basically get prepared and do the best you can. We play, you know, go back to, you know, thinking and preparing the way we, we did all year. Uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is the best team you'll play this year. Uh, and let's, let's, let's play our best and see what happens. Uh, is it possible they can win? Well, I mean, I, I saw LSU's 2001 team beat Tennessee in, in, in the SEC championship game and, I think it was a three-loss LSU team, and Tennessee was one win from going from the, to the Rose Bowl, and they came in with a backup – had to go to a backup quarterback and a backup running back during the game and won the game. Yep. Uh, uh, this Georgia team is as solid as a rock. There's nothing spectacular about this team. They just win. You know, they're, they're ranked in the top five nationally in ten categories. Uh, first in red zone offense, first in red zone defense. Uh, uh First and uh, you know, first and uh, at least kind of sacks are allowed. They protect their quarterback. Since have been, it's not spectacular, but within their system, he works and they protect him well. Uh, Brock Bowers is a machine their best player. He Wolf. does everything. Uh, defensively, they're solid. They, if you look at it, there's nobody really in that team. You go, wow, he's spectacular. Maybe Brock Bowers, maybe him. They just go out and 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 win. They just win. You know, I mean. Uh, you know, they, they win. They may, they may not win by much. Some, some weeks they, they're a little better than others, and they'll be uh, a good solid three or four touchdown win. Some weeks it's they won by 14, into, you know, 10 to 14 points. And to Kirby Smart, so a win is a win. Uh, and I, I think that, the, like I said, the last time I looked, I thought the line was like about 16. I don't know what it is now. And that sounds about right. It, it, that, that sounds about right. All right, bud, i got to get you out of here with this. It's our foodie poll question of the day. It's the brainchild of Hannah Five Names and our and our intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. Do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? Yes, I have. Sure have. Do you like it? Is that something that you do or you just tried it? No, I, I, I don't do it every time, but I've done that with, with, a, with a, a good thick chocolate ball. Absolutely. Sure. There you go. Higgins is on Team Hannah. I say no. I come out hard against it, Mad Dog. But that's just me. Buddy, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. We'll talk to you next Wednesday there, Hollywood. I will. However, I never put my potato salad in gumbo, ever. That, oh, open up a whole new can of worms. That's what he does. That's what he does. Talk to you later, bud. <laughs> oh, man. We got to take a time out, wrap up hour number two here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Hey, just a reminder, the game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. That's right, a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early sweepstakes presented by Armitage Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score yourself a $500 Visa gift card. That's right, a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early sweepstakes powered by Armitage Jewelers and the Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Poll question of the day is our foodie poll question of the week on Wednesday. Do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? You heard the mad dog, Hollywood Higgins, say he does. Right now, 41% of you say, heck yeah. 36% say, ooh, that's nasty. 20% say never tried it. 3% of you say other, because why not? Let's be passive aggressive. <laughs> B-Rad says the other is for the answers that wouldn't be clean for the kids. <laughs> That's a guy. I'll take that all day long. That's a good one. I like that. You want to keep your answers? Try to not keep it clean for the kids. Robert Duplachan says, uh, no. Just that simple. Ralph Bergeron says, other is also cane sauce. <laughs> keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day, which is our foodie poll question of the week. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Tigers and the Strohs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived here in RP3 and Company as the clock. Turns to 8.03 on this wet Wednesday. Going to have some interesting weather the rest of the day. It's going to get a little chilly. So just make sure you're safe out there after all the rain that we've had the last couple of days. We've touched on a lot of different topics so far today. College football playoff rankings. Raging Cajuns men's basketball and women's basketball teams getting wins yesterday. The U.S. men's national team surviving defeating Iran 1-0 to to advance to the knockout stage. They'll face the Netherlands, of course, on Saturday morning. But it's time for us to talk a little more Vermilion and White with the man who has been the longtime voice of Raging Cajun Athletics. Our good friend Jay Walker joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm just lovely, absolutely lovely. I love the enthusiasm. How was your Thanksgiving, bud? Uh, it was, um, for the most part, pretty quiet. Went to my uh, daughter's house just north of Baton Rouge and uh, ate, took a nap, went home. That's that's the goal. That, that's the goal. To take a nap, eat yes. and nap. That's what Thanksgiving's all about. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, but let's go to the game on Saturday. Uh, their backs were against the wall. They knew what was on the line and. Coach Dez's team went out there and responded in a big way, took down Texas State and did so in comfortable fashion. Uh, what did you make of what you saw from the Raging Cajuns in their regular season finale to get to six wins? I, I thought they went out and kicked butt. Um, I did not expect um, anybody to be putting up you know, 40 points in that game, um, but the Cajuns uh, pl- executed extremely well offensively. Uh, and with exception of a, a couple of big plays in the running game, they pretty much shut Texas State down. Now, I didn't expect that Texas State would get much done 
offensively. They had a ton of injuries, and they, you know, frankly just weren't that good on that side of the football. But they've been a very good defensive team all year long. And uh, for the Cajuns to go out and, and spank them the way they did, I thought was pretty impressive. And, you know, the, the thing I liked about what I saw, you're right, that they they could have taken their foot off the gas. They, they could have played sloppy. They didn't. You could tell that they were determined. And you and I have talked about this a lot during the season of this is a transitional year for the program because you're going from one coaching staff to another. A lot of talent left this team on the roster, so they're still trying to build chemistry. I don't care how much you practice in the preseason or during the summer. You you really create a bond with your teammates and figure out what you can really do as a team during the season. And I think you're seeing this. And to end the season on a high note and to get that extra game and to get those extra practices is huge not only for Coach Des, but it's huge for this program moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it, um, you know, the season, you know, I, I really think that expectations were, were high as far as wins and losses. And, uh, and that's okay because, you know, uh, fans are who fans are. And, and I think that's fine. I don't know that anybody is what I would call satisfied to be six and six, but, um, you know, they, they overcame an awful lot to get there. So, you know, I, I think that this coaching staff has done a solid job to make sure that this team has kept its head up and uh, and kept them all playing together and as one. Uh, and they're going to get rewarded for that now, and that's good. I know you don't have inside intel or anything like that. We know the Independence Bowl covets the Cajuns. They've been kind of open about that, of coming to a couple of games uh, and, and scouting them. We also see that maybe the Frisco Bowl could be an uh, opportunity for the Cajuns as well. Um, where do you think, just you know, just a guess here, Jay, where do you think they're going to end up when we find out everything's official on Sunday? You know, I, I spoke to a couple of rep- – well, a representative of the Independence Bowl on, uh, on Saturday, and I, and I think you're right. I think the Independence Bowl would like to have the Cajuns and vice versa. But, you know, there's a wild card in all of this, Ray, and it's ESPN. Oh, there it is. Yes. They've got they've – got, um, you know, they, they own all of these bowls. And, uh, you know, with the Sunbelt agreement with ESPN, ESPN could put Sunbelt teams in any of those ESPN bowls. I mean, if they want to send the Cajuns to Idaho, they can probably get away with it. Um, so I, I think that's the wild card there. I have maintained um, all week long that if it's not Shreveport, I think you have a story because my belief is that's where the Cajuns will be. Um, but I'm not going to be shocked if it's someplace else. I, I'm just not. I, I think I've learned with ESPN how this thing works. And um, so, they, you know, they could be a lot of places. I, now, I really haven't heard anything other than the two sites that you mentioned, uh, that being Frisco and, uh, and Shreveport. My money is on Shreveport. If it's someplace else, I won't be shocked. And the other thing that people forget about these type of things, and, and you focus on, all oh, what bowl game you're going to go to and everything. Uh, for me, I, I feel like the coaches, the the caliber of the bowl or what day of the week it is or anything like that is really low on the priority list. It's more about getting those extra practices for your guys 
It's essentially like a little spring football session after the season, and that helps further your develop your team heading into spring. I think that's more important than anything, who they play or where they play is that portion of it. Well, if you're the if you're the team, yes. If you're the fan, no. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the fans want something that's easily accessible. Uh, the fact that the Independence Bowl is on a Friday would certainly um, help that. It's three hours up the road. Uh, Cajuns have never played in that bowl, and that bowl has got a little bit of prestige to it because it's been around for almost 50 years. And, um, you know, you're right when it comes to the fact they're going to get more practice. Look, you, you tell the team they're going to go play at the North Pole, and, there's, and, and they'll say, okay, what time do we leave? Um, but, but, you know, I don't, th- I don't think the fans want the North Pole. Um, I don't think they want New Orleans on a Wednesday night. I, I think that they want a game that they can go to on a Friday or a Saturday that's within driving distance. And I think they're going to get that one way or the other. We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's shift gears and let's talk about college basketball. Bob Marlin's team suffered their first loss over the weekend at Drake, and they bounced back in a big way yesterday, last night, inside the Cajun Dome as they took on Lolola. Um, what did you think of what you saw over the weekend on that road trip, and how did you think they bounced back last night? Well, you know, in my pregame conversation with Coach Marlin, um, I said, you know what, if if you're going to go on the road and beat a quality opponent and make no mistake about it, Drake is a quality opponent, I think they're a top 25 team. Um, there's one thing that you can't do, and that's you can't have a lull in scoring the basketball. You've got to be able to score the basketball and make shots. They shot 23% in the first half. Um, and, you know, when you consider that they were able to cut it to four, you know, down in the, in the final, you know, the minute or two, uh, I think talks a little bit about the talent of this team. But against a quality opponent, you've got to go play 40 minutes. And uh, they weren't able to do that because they couldn't make enough shots. So, you know, you turn the page, you come back. Last night they make shots. Um, they, uh, you know, they didn't have a hangover from the game on Saturday. And that's one of the things that I was looking for. Because, look, the Cajuns are better than Loyola. We know that. Although Loyola, as non-D1s go, is a formidable opponent. To go out and beat them by 40, I think, uh, puts an exclamation point on the final score. I like how they responded as well. And, and look, they're, they're, they're the better team obviously heading into that matchup but sometimes as and we've seen this in years past you know a loss will carry over the, the old the old principle is don't let one loss turn into two right and coaches right. preach that all the time I like the fact that they were were kind of focused fired up and ready to go and and came out there and took care of business they'll get a nice another little in-state contest going down to UNO Lakefront Arena on Saturday Coach Schlesinger's done a nice job with that program, especially where it was, where it was nearly, what, on its deathbed, bringing it back to being a, a, a team that's always in the mix out of the Southland Conference to, to earn a NCAA tournament spot. What do you think of that game? I know it's early, but that's a good little early season road test for the Cajuns having to go on the road to take on UNO. 
I think anytime you have to go on the road, nothing is um, set in stone. Um, you know, I I mentioned to Coach Marlin um, last night that this is a game that needs to be played every year. Okay, and we you know those of us that have been around a while know about the long rivalry with UNO, yep. especially going back to the Tim Floyd days, and. I think this is a game that always needs to be played. Now, it's the last year of the contract, and UNO has not said whether they're going to agree to continue it or not. The Cajuns would like to continue it. Uh, I don't know how good UNO is. I I honestly haven't paid much attention to them. I'll start that today. Um, But the Cajuns have, you know, they've got a pretty good winning streak against the Privateers. Privateers lost two very good players off last year's team. And at the same time, they always play hard. They're usually pretty good defensively. Um, And so, you know, it's going to be a representative game. Cajuns are going to have to go out and play well. Look, Coach and I are going to talk about this prior to the game on Saturday. There have been some years where the Cajuns were obviously the better team and then had to sweat it out to win in the Lakefront Arena. And I want to say the 17-18 team that won 27 games had to go overtime to, to win at the Lakefront. So nothing's set in stone. You still got to go out and play. I'm looking forward to the game Saturday. It's early in the season, and it's only, you know, a handful or so games. What's the thing that this team does really well more than anything else, Jay? I think this team plays well together. Um, and, the team and chemistry. It's something that, that I've chemistry. noticed just about every time out. They, they've got great chemistry. But, you know, chemistry is something that you can talk about chemistry is what it's like in the locker room. I think that's different from chemistry on the court. And um, they've got great chemistry on the court. They play together. They play for each other. Um, this is a team that's easy to like, right? I mean, it, it really is. It's easy to like this team. And, um, and I do. Now, I think, I think they scheduled smart because they played a couple of games at neutral sites. They've gone to SMU and Drake, and they're going to play a couple of road games that, frankly, they should win against UNO and McNeese. But they got a stretch coming up, and it starts with McNeese, where they play 8 out of 10 on the road. And so I think that um, the way that they've scheduled has been good because I think this uh, non-conference schedule is going to prepare them for that road stretch that's coming up. Jay? Appreciate your time as always, brother. I got to ask you a question. It's our poll question of the day on Wednesdays when you appear regularly on this show. It's always our foodie poll question of the week. And this is comes from Hannah Five Names, the producer extraordinaire, and our intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos. Okay. This is their All right. question. Do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? No. Never. <laughs> Ever. Ever. No. Absolutely not. There are a lot of things I'll dip French fries in. I'll dip them in tartar sauce. I'll dip them in ranch dressing. I'll dip them in ketchup. I'll even dip them in mustard sometimes. But a milkshake? Come on. <laughs> Jay, thank you, brother. Look, I, I'm just gonna tell I'm just gonna tell you this. Here it is. That milkshake don't bring the boys to the yard. I'm just saying. Oh Jay, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, bud. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for having me, Go Cajuns.
So Jay is not team dipping French fry and milkshake. There we go. There we go. Don't forget to keep voting on that poll question of the day. Once again, do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? That's our question. 41% of you say, heck yeah. 37% say that's nasty. 18% say have never tried it. 4% are you are passive aggressive and say other. <laughs> uh, Ton on Twitter has chimed in. It says it depends. Five names. Homemade shake with homemade fries? Then yes. Redheaded fast food? Yes. Crown or clown fast food? H-E double hockey sticks? Nah. Hashtag no free ads. So there you go. There you go. Also, we have a comment here courtesy of a woman named Tina Parch. Hmm. She says, there are too many specific conditions to which you would do it. One, perfect fries and thickness and crispness. Two, thickness and type of shake. Too many variables. Just eat the fries with ketchup! Exclamation point. So, there you go. Zach Miller also has chimed in. Fantasy football league expert of RP3 and company says, I work about a half mile from the McDonald's and Wendy's that Hannah mentioned earlier. And even with that close proximity, I assure you, I will not be trying that abomination. (laughs) Oh, keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company, It'll be time for the foodie poll question of the week. Roundtable discussion. Hannah Five Names, Moses Campos, and probably an irritable Steve Wiley. That's all coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together. Or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, you got to tune in tonight from 6 to 7 for the McNeese Coaches Show, presented by Maplewood Burgers, line a bit out of Westlake and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Jim Gazzolo, the great one. We'll be talking all things Cowboys as head football coach Gary Goff joins the show. So tune in tonight starting at 6 for the McNeese Coaches Show right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I've changed positions here in the studio. I'm sitting in the, the comfy chair over here because I'm trying to collect my thoughts. I'm trying to wrap my brain around the nonsense that is our foodie poll question of the week, which is always our poll question of the day on Wednesday. Hannah Five Names, producer extraordinaire. Moses Campos, intern extraordinaire, collaborated on this. It's making me question everything that I've ever thought about, giving them the titles of extraordinaire, because (laughs) they came up with this. Do you dip French fries in milkshakes 40% of you 
say heck yeah. 38% say that's nasty. 18% say never tried it. And 4% of you are being very passive-aggressive saying other. Those are the most up-to-date results on this. And it's time for our foodie poll question of the week roundtable discussion. And I'm going to start it off here with Moses Campos, the intern extraordinaire who collaborated, was in cahoots with producer extraordinaire Miss Hannah. Five names on this poll question. Explain yourself. Explain yourself. It's good. That's not a good explanation. (laughs) It's good. It's savory and sweet all together. Good. Well, if, if that's the case, then uh, a hamburger can be savory. Why don't you just dip that into the milkshake while that's you're just, at it? That's just nasty. I'm with Ray on that one, buddy. <laughs> I mean, what's next? A hot dog can be savory. How about a nice piece of sausage, smoked sausage? Let's dip that into the milkshake since it's savory and sweet. No. See, there you go. It's See? different. It's different. Mm-hmm. Yes. These two are what? What do they call this? Generation Z? Is that what they? I, I don't know what they. Generation. Are they all Generation Z. Generation the best. Generation. Generation the best. I would seriously best. call that statement into question. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good. They're just good. So when when you think about your meal, when you're going to the fast food restaurant, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what I really want. I want to get myself a burger, a combo. I want to get those fries, and then I can't wait to dip greasy french fries into my milkshake so i can have greasy french fry leftovers into my shake that's what you're thinking that's what and you mix it oh no no oh, my God. oh <laughs> moses moses no i don't do it all the time okay so so what prompts you to do it then i was like oh i'll get a milkshake and then just put them together when i have them both how many fries are you dipping in said shake i don't dip the i dip like 10 and then just eat the rest or... Okay. Yeah. Not, you you do one at a time. Thing. Why would you do that? <laughs> because it's good. Salty, it's sweet, good. Cold warm, French cold. French fries are good? No. French fries are good when they're fresh out of the fryer and they're hot. And Once you let them get milkshake. cold, there's only two things left you can do with them. Throw them away or save them for tomorrow, smash them up, and make hash browns. But it's not only... So the thing is, it's not the whole French fries going into the milkshake because you're dipping but it. But then it's coming out so cold and soggy. It's only look an inch. And then inch. you're putting grease in your milkshake. <laughs> it's like he eats all the caramel. I mean, it's it's like kids making up so stuff in the sweet. kitchen that you know they haven't learned anything about cooking yet, and they'll go. And, and like put peanut butter in a glass. It's of just a beautiful creation. You know? It's a beautiful creation, says the man. Steve Very is good. beside himself right now. I, I just can't believe the insane <laughs> things that you young people come up with. <laughs> he pulled out the young people. He pulled out the young people. Come up with. Okay, five names. So we're gonna help out Moses here so he doesn't get just battered on the witness stand by Steve Wiley like it's a like it's a freaking lawyer movie come to life why do you do it i do it because it's mainly it's, it's like that saltiness and that sweet it like takes out the where it's not as salty i guess so you have a little sweet in there it's like salted caramel if you have salted caramel it's salt it's literally just salt on caramel people eat that yeah be, no, but I, because I, I, no 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 
Caramel is like a liquid, kind of like what a milkshake is or uh-huh. what ice cream is. Mm-hmm. Potato is not a liquid. It's a solid. Yeah, it's not a whole potato. It's one little sliver. It's and you don't do the whole thing. And the way you do it is you don't do it every single time. Every single time, then might become disgusting. You might not like it as much. You do it like so every out. like seven to eight times. So time out. So time out. Wow. You are admitting that if you do it too much... That it's going to be gross. Well, I feel like if you it's do like something too much, it'd be nasty. Yeah. Like, if you eat burgers too much, you won't like burgers as much. Right. Like, I used but to I eat never, cherries all the time. I don't eat cherries out. as much anymore. Time out. There's never a scenario that three bills over here says, <laughs> oh, I've had too many. I may say I don't want to have a hamburger or I don't want to have time. a double cheeseburger with bacon, but I never say, oh, it's nasty now. And those were your words. You did say that. Mm-hmm. I was saying... You may get tired of it. That's why you don't do it as often. That's a difference. There's a yeah. difference between I'm tired of do. it and then it becomes nasty. So Hannah's actually admitting that the whole idea that it's on a scale of, oh, it tastes really good, but then it could easily be nasty. So why would you do something that could easily turn nasty quickly? Yes, to me, it's anything you'd have too many times. Somebody's getting tired of it. Like, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's good anymore. Like I used to eat cherries nonstop. I used to top on top of the bar at Outback and at Lone Star growing up, and I would literally sit on top of the bar and eat cherries. Now I don't. I can't stand cherries. I can't because they're gross now to me. So I had them too many times. I had too many of them. And right now, the same instance. And right now, what just happened? And I just saw it. It was glorious. On his face, Moses Campos was regretting the alliance, this unholy alliance he's formed with Hannah. Because he's like, she's not helping. (laughs) (laughs) He's thinking, she's not helping my cause. He just lost. (laughs) We didn't lose. I mean, we're winning the poll, but like. Barely. In in the conversation we're losing. (laughs) (laughs) So, Steve, just to recap here. Wild man, you are a hard no against dipping the French fries in the milkshake. Yes. Yeah. No words. Just ah. <laughs> He's so angry. And Moses, obviously, you, you, you're a I big fan. I say I'm I'm hard against it as well, and Hannah is for it. So we're split two against two, which rarely ever happens around here. Which made it a very good and entertaining poll question of the day. That does it for our. Foodie roundtable poll discussion this week. Steve will try to calm down and take his blood pressure medicine. Hopefully, <laughs> if you need some, bar some from Kevin Foote. He'll be here shortly. Moses Campos, Hannah Five Names. Come back here on RP3 and Company. It'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join us. That's coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. They give the Camaro, breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone, touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Uh, there's no better way to wrap up a Wacky Wednesday edition of RP3 and Company than to bring on a guy who steals his internet connection from the local restaurant next door to his house. Andrew Juge from the Saints Happy Hour podcast joins us here. Andrew, good morning. How you doing, bud? I'm I'm great, man. Look, uh, it's 
just another week uh, where the Saints lose, uh, and I'm kind of getting used to it now. You know, it's one of those things where uh, it just seems to be happening every week. So we're in a we're in, we're in the spiral now. So I'm going to be completely transparent with you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, bud, because I, I feel like we're friends, right? So. Um, uh, the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, he's new to the scene, right? He's been with us all semester, learning, trying to get his foot in the business. And, you know, they were preparing because, you know, we've had issues the last couple of weeks. And he said, maybe you, sh- maybe Andrew should have less fake books on his shelves and more routers. Maybe is that what – so uh, how do you respond to that? Uh, that's tough but fair. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you can never have too many books, right? We're always learning. We're always uh, – you can See? Never, uh, see, I, I live here in Charlottesville, and, and the saying is, you know, instead of – well, first of all, the world doesn't change for UVA, but they have freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Instead of that, they do first year, second year, third year, fourth year, and they say the reason why is you can never be a senior of learning. Oh, see, that's nice. I like that. See, and see, intern, that's how you take a jab – and you absorb it, and you turn it into a positive for yourself. <laughs> that's called a pro move. That's a pro move, and that's why, Andrew, we love him. All right, bud. We love you. You know this. Um, we don't love talking about how terrible the Saints are. So let's start there. First shutout since t- 2002. Uh, once again, at the hand of the 49ers, because who else would uh, who else would it be to give more pain to the Saints than San Francisco 49ers? Defense did its job, but just like the rest of the season, when the defense actually plays to its potential and holds the 49ers to one touchdown and two field goals, the offense decides, hey, you know what? Let's be the worst we've ever been in a generation. They can never get on the same page, dude, ever. Yeah, that's that's uh, the mark of a bad football team, one that doesn't play complementary football. And we, we, we've seen the opposite. Like you said, we, we've seen weeks for the offense is humming, doing pretty well, and it's the defense that lets the team down. Sometimes both of them are playing pretty good, and it's disastrous special teams that cost them. So uh, as we always say, uh, the mark of a bad team is ones that finds different ways to lose games. Uh, but, yeah, the offense has been in a bad way for a while now. And uh, they played pretty good, I guess, last week against the Rams. But, yeah, obviously a disappointing performance anytime you get shut out. And I don't know if you knew this, Raymond, but I'll throw out a stat at you. The last four times the Saints have been shut out. Now, obviously, as you said, this is the first time it's happened in almost 21 years. But the last four times the Saints have been shut out, all four have been at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. Of course it has. (laughs) Of course. Of course they have. Uh, when I watch that game on Sunday, I see an offense immensely inept. We're watching Alvin Kamara have his worst season. We're watching play calling that's going nowhere. And once again, we talk about it all the time. Well, Andy Dalton's floor is, you know, that's what you're going to go with because the floor is higher than Jameis Winston's floor, right? But Winston has the higher ceiling. So you, you play the percentages here. Why has this offense been struggling so bad? Even against the Rams, they weren't great. Why is this offense struggling so bad? Can it just be rooted by the fact that they can't run the football anymore? Absolutely. Yeah, it starts from there. Well, first of all, the turnovers. You know, I, I oh, think yeah, brutal. I, I know the Saints are dead last in the league in, in a turnover differential, and you really you don't really need to look any further than that. It's actually a pretty simple formula in the in the league. Uh, you turn the ball over. 
you fail to get turnovers, you lose games. It's, it's really that simple. And the Saints are number one in the league in giveaways, and they're dead last in takeaways. So, you know, you, you, you do the math on that. Uh, they're, they're by far last in turnover differential, and that, that's really all it is. But, yeah, so I, I'd say, first of all, the offense keeps giving the ball away. Um, two fumbles by Alvin Kamara in this game. There's a number of false start penalties. That's been a problem all year, Raymond, and I don't know what else to say about that except that it has to stop. They lead and, the and NFL. They lead the NFL in false start penalties. They do. And, and you know, honestly, it's, it's one of those things where there's no accountability. I've never seen anyone benched. I've never seen any and, – and it's hard. Look, it's hard when it's Alvin Kamara and, and sometimes it's Ryan Ramchick that are the guys screwing up because those, those are your star players. But it just doesn't feel like there's any accountability. And I, I just think so much has been made of the Saints culture. But on the flip side of that, I just think it's been a really comfortable culture with Dennis Allen this year where they've kind of rested on their laurels a little bit and they just keep waiting for things to turn around. Um, but there isn't a ton of accountability in terms of uh, there being consequences for the mistakes that this offense continually makes. So anyway, it's a, it's a lot of shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, I have a take that's actually kind of weird this week. I thought Andy Dalton played a great game. And that, that, that seems really weird to say when you get shut out because the blame typically, the first guy you point the finger at is, is the quarterback when you don't score a point. But I actually thought, I, I, and, and I was vocal against Andy Dalton. You'll remember after the Ravens game, after the Steelers game, I said, yes, it's time to replace him. It's time to make a move to Jameis Winston. I was ready to, to go back to Winston. Uh, the Saints decide to stick with Dalton. And, and interestingly enough, I feel like against the Raiders and then against the 49ers, those were kind of the two best games he's played. What I saw in San Francisco was a complete system failure around him. The play up front was abysmal. Uh, and again, some of, the, some of his best players up front, you know, Andrews Pete, Ryan, Ryan Ramchick, I thought both had poor games. Uh, he had dropped passes in the end zone by Jawan Johnson, by Taysom Hill. The two fumbles, the false starts the missed field goal, I, I just felt that That's the, fair. the officiating. My goodness, Raymond, the officiating. I, I just felt like from top to bottom, it, it was system failure around Andy Dalton, and I actually thought he played well enough to win. Yeah, and I don't understand what a catch is anymore because I just I, no I, idea. I don't. I have no idea. None. Um, the NFL has totally butchered that to, to no end. We're talking with Andrew Juge. He is a co-host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He's also a contributor to 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. You can read his weekly columns. Sometimes he does two in one week because he is wildly efficient. For the Saints Happy Hour breakdown, we'll have a new one posted this morning. And a man who is cosmopolitan, lived in Paris at one point as well because I'm assuming Paris, Texas, not Paris, France. Um, <laughs> all right, so this team is a disaster. And now they get to go on Monday Night Football and take on a team that they kind of own, right? The the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are just dreadful as well, just slightly less dreadful than the Saints. What do you make of this game for Monday night? Well, this one's conflicting because on some level, look, if the Saints win this game, I feel like we say this every week and then they don't win. So it's, it's a new <laughs> point, but, but, but if the saints win this game, it's fair. they get it's a fair. bye, they rest up and then they play the Falcons and then they beat the Falcons. They'll be six and eight and in first place. in oh, the division. Oh, that's, that, just... that's, that's what this NFC South is like. And, you know, as much, at some point, 
if you don't take advantage of these opportunities, they stop, you stop getting excited about them, right? Because at some point, like, when are they ever going to win a game? But on the other side of this, I've watched Atlanta. I've watched Tampa, whose offensive line was decimated before they lost Tristan Wirfs, who's the best guy. I I don't even know who they have left to block for them. They might have to call Charles Brown out of retirement, see what he's up to. But but I I just feel like I watch Atlanta, I watch Tampa – and I, I see no one in this division that wants to take the bull by the horns and win and take control. And so at some point, Raymond, these teams have to play each other, and one of them has to win, unless they tie. <laughs> so, so why not the Saints, you know? And look, I, I look at this game, and, and uh, maybe this is the, the – the, I'm, I'm a cynic, but a lot of times I'm a petty cynic, and so – I, I just feel like, and I can be a positive guy too, actually, but I just feel like the Saints are going to win this game, but it's kind of twisted the way I think about this, Raymond, because I just feel like it would be too easy for the Saints to lose on Monday night and for us to just say, okay, season's over. That, that, that's pretty cut and dry. I believe the Saints 2022 season has way more in store for us in terms of pain and, and awkwardness. <laughs> And I just feel like it would be too easy to let us off as fans off the hook now. So I just feel like the likelihood of the Saints winning against Tampa, against Atlanta, going 6-8, and eight, building us back up, giving us hope before the season crushes us yet again, I feel like there's just more pain in store for us this season. So I'm picking the Saints to win this week. Of course you are, and you're probably right along. They're going to string their fan base long enough to have <laughs> enough hope that they're going to win the division at seven wins only to lose to the Panthers in the regular season finale. That's and, right. And just exactly. make them just want to riot in the streets. All right, but uh, you seem to be a formally educated man, right? Uh, you, you Can you tell us where did you go to school? Where did you attend college? I went to a small liberal arts school in Virginia called Washington and Lee University. Ooh, so he's got that fancy, fancy degree, right? <laughs> he's got that fancy degree. So let me ask you this. I made the point earlier that look, uh, I went JUCO and directional schools, so I didn't. I don't. I don't have that fancy book learning like a lot of folks do. But <laughs> when it comes to the college football playoff rankings, a team that is one has lost one game should always be ranked above a team that's lost two games. Right? That that's that that shouldn't be debated about. Correct? That's that's pretty basic uh, math. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, look, I, I look at Tulane back when I was in high, in, in high school. They went undefeated. I think they finished the year ranked eighth or in the top ten. Nineteen ninety eight, based on their schedule. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know that they. I don't know that they belonged in the in the top four. I see. Time, even though see. teams had a loss. I see. So you should be working for the college football playoff committee because they also have <laughs> Alabama ranked above Tennessee. Even though Tennessee beat them head to head, and they both had the same amount of losses. No, that makes no sense. There it is. There it is. One more before we let you go. Okay. The producer extraordinaire, you know her, you love her, Hannah Five Names, collaborated, formed an unholy alliance with the intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, to come up with our foodie poll question of the week. Do you dip your French fries in milkshakes? Andrew, yes or no? Uh, I would say, as a general rule, no. However, Uh if you go to Wendy's, then it's allowed. Then it's allowed, I say. Then it's allowed. Mm. Yep. Wendy's has uh, has the market cornered, if you will. I feel like that's the one place. It has a trademark on it. That's the one place where you get your Frosty, 
you dip the Wendy's fries in it and it works. I don't know why it works there, but as a general rule, I, I'm not going to five guys getting an Oreo milkshake and putting those fries in my milkshake. So I, I think it's uh, it, the general answer to your question is no. Wendy's is exempt. That is a nuanced answer and one I would expect for someone who lived in Paris. Old as someone Paris. as sophisticated as me, what did you Of course you're going to get that. <laughs> Brother, enjoy <laughs> your week. Uh, may see you for the Falcons game, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, that's going to be, uh, well, hopefully the Saints can take care of business against Tampa so that this game at least has meaning. But uh, I will be in the Superdome, hopefully against the Falcons, as long as my flight is on time. So looking forward to hopefully seeing you there. All right, brother. Enjoy your week, bud. Yeah, thanks, Raymond. Anytime. So the man put the disclaimer on it. That's what he did, the disclaimer. Now, I'm going to let you know something. You have someone that's come out and supported you on this, Hannah and Moses, but it could very much backfire in that regard. Matthew Miguez has come out in support of your decision. I wouldn't celebrate too much. He says, you absolutely dip fries in a milkshake. There have been instances where I just wanted fries but got the milkshake anyway for that purpose. Salty and sweet all at the same time. But Ralph Bergeron chimed in. But when you don't like pie, you're not allowed to opinion on any food poll. Sorry, Matt. In fact, I'm surprised you're rooting for USA soccer given that apple pie is part of America's DNA. So anti-pie game guy came to your defense don't know if that's going to help you win the poll question of the day. Matthew coming to your defense. It makes me not have to rethink our friendship because he still sided with me on this. So there you go. You you may lose the poll question of the day, but you you'll still get to be yeah. secure in your friendship. I'm strengthening and thinning out friendships right now. Like Foot doesn't like Disney World, so like we're like thinning out that friendship. So Foot doesn't like a lot of things. Foot doesn't like life. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry <but. laughs> Love them. We got to take a time out. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Ron Higgins, the mad dog from Tiger Details. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Let's get to some more comments here on the poll question of the day, which was the foodie poll question of the week. Do you dip French fries in milkshakes? Jermaine uh, Britton says on Facebook, dipping fries in milkshake is like kissing your cousin, just nasty. Edward Purvis says, never tried it. And the final results on the poll question of the day, and it was, boy, came down right to the end. And you actually got the Miguez bump, which goes against you, by the way. After his comment, the results flipped. 39% say that's nasty. 37% say heck yeah. 20% say never tried it. And 4% say other. So shout out to uh, Matthew Miguez for flipping the poll question (laughs) away from Hannah and Moses with his comment. (laughs) if you're anti-pie if you don't eat pie your comments are automatically disqualified by the public and then force them to vote the opposite direction sorry Moses sorry Hannah you tried you tried but then uh Miguez yeah you got the dreaded Miguez bump 
That's going to do it for today's show. It was a fun show. It was a nice show. For the wild man, Steve Wiley, intern extraordinaire, Moses Campos, producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parch Third. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. You're listening to the game. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.